walk with God today through the avenue of music and prayer. That's okay. Now they can see me. Could be good or bad. How would you like to take a walk with God today? Where would you go? The beach. Okay. Where, where, I hear mountains over here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't it be fun just to take a walk with Jesus? You know, I'm kind of with Michael over here. I think I might like to go up in the mountains, up maybe the redwood forest, you know, someplace where man hasn't touched yet, you know, just to see what God created and how beautiful that is. Or the beach is good too, you know, uh, the white sand, the, the warm water. We're not talking about a beach in Alaska. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking the Caribbean or something. And again, I would not want to be around anything that man made, you know, because we tend to pollute everything we touch, you know. Just see, see it as God created. <clears throat> well, in the Bible, it talks about two people who had a chance to walk with God or who walked with God. Well, the, the first one is Enoch. We want to look at him to start off with this morning in Genesis chapter 5, beginning verse 21. It says, when Enoch had lived 25 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And he became the father, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Together, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and he was no more because God took him away. Now, I don't know how up you are on your Hebrew and Greek, okay? Um, Probably about the same as me. Um, I never took Greek in seminary that that was for those who were going to preach. And I said, I'd never preach. Okay. <clears throat> well, the Hebrew is, is a picture language. Okay. It's, it's not scientific. It's not technical. It, it draws pictures for people to see. And the, the concept of walking with God here is used to describe a, a close fellowship with God, that fellowship that, that Enoch had with God for all those years. Um, another translation, the New Living Translation of that passage says, <clears throat> when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. He had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years walking in close fellowship with God, then one day he disappeared because God took him. So that idea of walking with God has the idea that that Enoch had a very close fellowship with God, a close relationship with him. The second person in the Old Testament that we read about that walked with God 
was Noah. And in Genesis 6, 9, it says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless amongst the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. And again, that same Hebrew word here is, is used to, to convey the idea of walking in close fellowship with God. Now, when the Greeks came along, they decided they were going to make a translation of the Hebrew Bible, and they were going to translate it into Greek. And we call that translation the Septuagint. That's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And when they came to these two passages of Enoch and Noah, they had to translate uh, from the Hebrew into the Greek this concept of walking faithfully or closely with God. And they chose this Greek word. There it is. Your guess is as good as mine on how to pronounce that. Three vowels together, two vowels together, forget it. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that word. You go ahead and work on it. Okay. When it comes to the New Testament, that Greek word only appears once. Just one time in the New Testament. And that's found over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11:6 says this, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, which word or words up there do you think is the Greek, uses the Greek word that talks about walking in close fellowship with God? Okay, we got to seek. Sincerely. Okay, okay. Well, good, good. You're all wrong. <clears throat> it's the word please. It's the word please. Using the Hebrew meaning, it comes out something like this. Without faith, it is impossible to walk in close fellowship with God. That would be the idea from the Old Testament that's carried over into the New Testament. Or without faith, it's impossible to walk faithfully with God. The, the meaning is much deeper than our English word, please. Now, we think in terms of pleasing someone, of is making them happy. And so we read in Hebrews eleven six that our faith makes God happy. But it goes much deeper than that. Now, I'm sure our faith does make God happy. Okay? It does please God. But the meaning of this verse is far, far deeper than just causing God to have a good feeling about us. It's, it's faith is the way to walk in close fellowship with God. So, what is faith? Well, this passage in Hebrews 11.6 gives us a couple thoughts about what faith is. 
Let me read it again. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So first of all, anyone who, who, who's walking with God must believe that God exists. The most foundational concept of faith is that we believe in God. Okay? Without God, there's no object of our faith. Now, some people have faith in faith. Okay? Thinking that, you know, all you gotta do is, is, is believe something, visualize it in your mind, and it will happen. Your faith can make it happen. I think a good example of that is, is in the movie with Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams, okay? Where, where you, you have this voice coming that says, if you build it, they will come. Now, I'm gonna go out on a limb here this morning, but I think if you place your faith in voices coming out of a cornfield, you, you might just be in a little trouble, okay? That's having faith in faith. Uh, maybe you've seen the bumper sticker that says, visualize world peace. You just, all you have to do is visualize it, okay? Have faith in it and, it, and it'll come to pass. People put their faith in the craziest things rather than in God. Up until a week ago, some people had faith that the Mariners would win the World Series. Okay. Um, I sometimes operate under the assumption that if I have enough faith, God will remove all the calories from Krispy Kreme donuts. You know, you know. Um, some people have faith, you know, that God will give them the winning lottery numbers. But see, without God in the equation, faith has no object that we can hold on to, no tangible object for us to believe. So the first concept, the first aspect of faith is that faith has an object, and that object is God exists. There is a God. But it's more than there is a God. Going back to Hebrews again, that 11.6, and it is impossible to please him without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The second aspect of faith is that God rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, there are a multitude of people out there who believe that God exists, but that God has no relationship with them whatsoever. It has no relevance to their life. And certainly don't believe that God rewards those who seek him. Now there's, there's four ideas I want to share with you this morning that come from that word seek. I did, did a little word study on that. Uh, the first one, the first idea in the word seek means to search for God 
or all things pertaining to God. To search for God or all things pertaining to God. The idea is seeking to know God more intimately. I want not just to know about God, but but I want to, to know him. We sang a song just a couple of minutes ago. I want to know him more. That's the idea of seeking, to, uh, to know God more intimately. The second idea tied up in this word seeking is the, word, is the idea of to investigate or scrutinize. If you're taking notes, that's S-C-R-U-T-I-N-I-Z-E. I never would have got it. Okay, I just thought I'd help you out today. <clears throat> In 1 Peter 1.10, it says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care. Uh, the idea here is to examine minutely. In the Greek, I do know this much, <clears throat> there are two words for our English word know. The first word is the word gnosis. And, and that means to, to have intellectual knowledge of someone or something. For instance, I know about George Washington. I know about Abraham Lincoln. I know about Engelbert Humpernick. Okay. I, I don't know these people. I never met these people, but I have intellectual knowledge of them. That's gnosis. The second word the Greeks used was the word epigenosis. And this speaks of a, of a full knowledge, an exact knowledge, a personal knowledge, an experiential knowledge. The, this word seek has the idea of investigating and scrutinizing God in order to have that full intimate knowledge with him. Not just know about him, but to know him intimately. The third idea in this word seek, it means to seek out for oneself. In order, it means, the idea is to seek out for, to make it mine. Have you ever heard the expression second-hand faith? Second-hand faith? You know, when, when children get saved, often they, they piggyback uh, their faith onto their parents' faith. And it's not really real for them, but they're saying the words that their parents say about it, you know, you know just piggybacking onto their faith. Uh, unfortunately, there are Christians who piggyback their faith onto the pastor or onto some spiritual leader within the church. It's not really real for them. It's not part of their existence, their reality, but they're saying the words because, you know, the pastor says those words. And God rewards those who seek him for themselves, not in a selfish way, but, but to build that, that relationship with him. The fourth idea in this word to seek means to seek in order to worship. 
the word is, is used to express the idea of seeking God for, for the purpose of adoring him, of worshiping him. Uh, not just for information's sake alone, but so that I can respond to that knowledge, to that information in my worship, in my, my adoration. Getting to know him better so I can glorify him more. So we can speak his praises. Let me go back a couple years ago when Karen and I were dating. Okay, maybe more than a couple years ago. Okay. I wanted to get to know her more. And the more I knew about her, the more I admired her and, and loved her. And not only that, but the more that I could sing her praises to other guys out there. <laughs> Too bad you're not dating her. I got her, you know. Uh, you know, that's the idea here is, is just knowledge, not knowledge for knowledge's sake, but knowledge so that I can lift up praise to God and adore him just, just like Ellie led us to do this morning. As we know him, we can adore him and worship him more. Let's go back to that Hebrews 11, 6 verse again. It says it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God wants us to seek him because that in itself is reward. Getting to know God better just in itself is tremendous benefit and, and tremendous reward. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I sent you an email, and I asked you, how big is your God? And then I went on to explain that our faith can only be as big as our God. If our God is small, our faith is small. Getting to know God increases our faith. What does that look like? Okay. Do we have any examples? Well, I want to pick out a husband and wife and use them as an example today uh, of someone who exhibited faith. And no, it's, no, it's not anybody here. Okay? No. We're going to look at Abraham and Sarah. All right? Let's go back to the book uh, of Hebrews, chapter 11. Let me begin in verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. How did Abraham know what God wanted him to do? Well, it's very simple. God told him. The word of God spoke to him. In Genesis 12.1, says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to a land I will show you. 
Faith is based upon God's words. Now, I'm not talking about auditory. We have God's word right here. We, these, this is what faith believes, the promises of God. In Romans 10, 17, says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How big is your faith? It's only as big as your God. How can you have a bigger faith? Have a bigger God. How are you going to have a bigger God? Go to God's word and read about him. That's how our faith grows. God said, you take the first step. In, in Romans eleven eight. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. That sounds like a car trip with your husbands, right, ladies? Yeah. No. God said, take the first step. Take the first step, and I will reveal the second step. Now, at this point, I wanted to show a video to you of a good Christian film that shows how to, how to take a step of faith. But I couldn't find one. So I settled on a Hollywood video, okay, that did a great job of showing what it looks like to walk by faith. Go ahead. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes when God says, take a step of faith? And you say, but there's no step. Yeah, there is. We just, with our eyes, we can't see it. 
But when we take the step, and, oh, yeah, there was a step there already. God saw that step, even though we didn't. Now, <clears throat> why does God do that to us? <clears throat> well, he does it because he has called us to walk by faith and not by sight. That's our calling. Was it logical for Abraham to leave everything behind and just take off and go to a place that God didn't even tell him where he was going? No. Abraham was 75 years old. I almost know what that feels like. He was married. He had a lifetime of accumulated possessions. He had a very large entourage. In Genesis chapter 12, <clears throat> beginning in verse 4, it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. So Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan, so they came to the land of Canaan. <clears throat> Abraham was not given a road map. He was not even given the GPS coordinates that he could punch in. Not only does he not know where he's going, he doesn't know how long it's going to take to get there. And he's responsible for a whole bunch of other people that he's leading. Talk about pressure do you know that Abraham never settled down again in one place? In Hebrews 11.9, says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He lived as a foreigner all the rest of his life. He had no rights of citizenship. He had no permanent structure to live within. He moved around quite a bit, even going down to Egypt. In Acts 7, 5, it says, But God gave him no inheritance there, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. So why did he do it? Why did Abraham step out in faith when so much was at stake? He did it because God made a promise to him. And Abraham believed that God always keeps his promises. If God fails to keep one promise, then he's not God anymore. He has to keep every single promise. And Abraham believed that. Hebrews 11.10 says, Abraham <clears throat> was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. I, I like that word confidently. He confidently looked forward to something. And then we have Sarah. 
the other half of the equation. In Hebrews 11.11, it says, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promises. <clears throat> Sarah gets a bad rap sometimes, okay? They go to a verse that says, you know, that God promised that she'd have a child, and Sarah's in the background, and it says she laughed. You know, there's all different kinds of laughs out there. You know, there's a, <laughs> you know, laugh, and then, <laughs> laugh, there's, you know, all kinds of laughs. I think Sarah laughed in amazement, not unbelief. Sarah believed the promises of God. Uh, you know, Hebrews 11 is sometimes called Faith's Hall of Fame. It lists all these people who believed God. She's there, folks. Okay, she's there. She went along with her husband's plans that were really God's plans. In 1 Peter 3, 6, says, For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. Now, we're not going to get off into calling your husband master, okay? But she went along with her husband. And I do not believe she went along kicking and screaming. I think she was that faithful sidekick, that faithful partner that went by Abraham's side. And it wasn't because Abraham was a perfect husband either, was it? You know, some of the other stories especially them going down into Egypt and the lies that Abraham says. Why did she do it? Not because her husband was so wonderful. Because she believed the promises of God. I quickly, oh, very quickly, uh, want to talk about four principles that we get on faith from this passage. First of all is the principle of vision. In Hebrews eleven thirteen talking about all these people, says all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. Uh, this includes Abraham and Sarah. It says they saw from a distance. That's what we call vision. They saw what was to come as if it was already there. They had that vision of what was to come. They looked beyond the presence to the future that God had promised them. As far as they were concerned, all of the earth was a foreign land. They didn't look towards any of it. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our we have a heavenly calling. Some Christians live their life on earth as if that's all there is. But this is, as far as they were concerned, it was a foreign land. And faith says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. The principle, principle of pursuit in Hebrews 11, 13 through 14. 14, says all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed 
that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Their pursuit was for that which was eternal, not temporal. They knew they would not have a land that they could call their own while they were here, but God had promised them heaven, a heavenly calling. Colossians 3.1 says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits on the place of honor at God's right hand. Faith pursues the things concerning the reality of heaven, not this earth. The third principle is the principle of abandonment. Hebrews 11.15 says, If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. Remember the children of Israel coming out of Egypt on the way to the promised land? They constantly looked back. They constantly looked back at what they had left and they longed for. Their eyes were not looking forward. They were looking backward. And Paul says in Philippians uh, 3.13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Our eyes are to be looking forward the promises of God and what he said is re real for us. And finally, the principle of desire. Hebrews eleven sixteen, But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. They desired what God desired for them. The word desire means to to reach out after something. And so they, they reached out after what God had reached out to get them for. The life of faith is an exciting journey. Okay, there's nothing boring about living by faith. Indiana Jones was not bored standing there on the edge of that cliff. Okay. So why do so few Christians want to live by faith? And I think the first thing is fear. Okay. Fear of taking risks. You know, what if God fails to keep his promises? Well, we'd never say that. But inside, there's that reality of you know, I could fall flat on my face here. God doesn't come through. There's the fear of commitment. You know, what if my circumstances change and, and, and I want to do something else? I don't want to be committed to that. I think another element is a lack of humility. What if I could do better if I just live my life my way? Again, we're good Christians. We would never say that. Okay. But do we think it? Is it part of our subconscious mind? You know, faith is an action word. It's not a blind leap into the dark, but it's a sure step into the loving arms of our Savior. 
Jim Elliott was a missionary to a remote tribe of people in the rainforest of Ecuador. On his first encounter with the people that he came to, to give the word of God to, because they'd never heard the word of God. They'd never heard of Jesus. The first day that he met with those people, he and the other four missionaries who were with him were all slaughtered by the people he came to reach with the gospel. And people said, what a waste. What a waste. Five young men who believed that God had called them to the mission field and had gone and lost their life on the very first day that they came in contact with those people. What a waste. Was their faith in vain? Their death made Life Magazine the cover of Life Magazine. It became a film through Gates of Splendor. As a result of their death, a whole new generation of missionaries came forward by the hundreds. Because of their death, hundreds of thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. More than they ever could have done by living through their death. Before they left for that historic first and, and only trip, Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's faith. That's living by faith. That's saying, I'll take that step, whatever that step is. If it's life, fine. If it's death, fine. I'll take that step. I'll live by faith. How much time do we spend pursuing things that we can lose on this earth and miss out on the things that we can gain for all of eternity. Let's pray. I want to give you a chance to talk to God right now. Okay. I want you just in the quietness of this moment to talk to God about faith. Is your God big enough that you can take a step of faith? Is he big enough that you could take a leap of faith? Regardless of where it is. Because God says there's something more important than the here and now on earth. And that's all of eternity. Would you accept a challenge from God? Oh, I'm not talking about being a missionary to an unreached tribe in Ecuador. I'm talking maybe taking a step to reach your neighbor. To reach that friend. To, to reach that person you have coffee with or tea with. No one talking out loud. You just talk to God in your heart about where your faith is and where you want it to, to be.
Heavenly Father, we cannot walk in close fellowship with you apart from faith. And Father, if our faith is weak, we have a promise from your word that says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We can go to your word and, and, and we can see you. We can seek you. And as a result of seeing you as the great, almighty, all-powerful, all-loving God, that will spark within us a stronger faith, a greater faith. Father, I just pray for myself, first of all. Lord, give me a greater faith. Make me willing to do what's necessary in order to have that faith grow. And Father, as I seek you and see you, may I be so excited to adore you and share you with others I come in contact with. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Father, I just pray right now that Holy Spirit is working in each one of us in response to the hearing of your word today. For I pray in Christ Jesus' name, amen.